The following is a member of the Burke Reviews podcast family. BurkeReviews.com Top five movies. Movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five movies. Top five. Top five movies. Hey everybody, welcome to Top Five Movies. I'm John Burke. With me, as always, is Corey Starr. Hello, hello. And we have a very special guest this week, um, Matt from What I Watch Tonight. How's it going, Matt? Good evening, guys. All good here, thank you. It's cold, it's wet, I've got a cup of tea, but looking forward to talking some movies with you guys. Man, I think you just hit, like, three of my stereotypical British questions immediately. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> Save some time at the interview. No <laughs> kidding. Most of the things you think are probably true. Well, <laughs> I went looking uh, for, I figured BuzzFeed had done this, and I was right, um, the most obnoxious <laughs> questions Americans ask British people. And I thought that would be uh, fun. And two of them were the weather and why you call cookies biscuits. It is wet. I do have to say we do call cookies biscuits. <laughs> we, but we, well, I don't know, we, we have cookies over here, but we just call them cookies. So that's ah. normal to me. Okay. Well, oh, okay. And um, <laughs> so we have, we're on three majorly different time zones here, people. So we are... Uh, I'm like in the middle of my afternoon. Matt's probably getting ready for bed. I don't know. <laughs> um, it's twenty to eight over here, so it's uh, it's not too bad. Ah, okay, yeah. And and Corey, it's like noon for you. It's it's noon time. <laughs> yeah, it's twelve thirty. Did you manage Seven. to have some lunch before this? No. Uh oh, she's gonna get hangry halfway through. This <laughs> oh, <no. laughs> um, <laughs> but. Uh, Matt, you you run a website called What I Watch Tonight. I do, yes. And I, I think that's where we'll kind of start. Is um, you are what do you call, do you call yourself a film critic? Uh, movie reviewer is probably best. Um, I've been yeah, I've I've been doing it for a couple of years now. But um, it, the main reason I do it is because I think people just got sick and tired of me talking about films um, <laughs> to the level that I tried to. So I thought, well, if no one's going to listen, I'll force my people to listen by <laughs> typing them up and sharing them on the internet. But I love, I love films. I've always have done uh, ever since I was little, um, and I love writing. So the two pretty much go hand in hand, um, and it's something I've really enjoyed doing. I've got some good feedback, so uh, long may it continue. Nice. Um, what do you like? Do you have a day job too, or is that is that now like your current employment? I no. I do. unfortunately I do. I work in project management. Um, so nothing, nothing too sexy, but um, and, I, and I come I come home to uh, my lovely family and my young daughter. So um, it's full time all the time. And then in the evening, we usually sit down and watch, manage to catch at least one film a night, if or a couple of week, um, in amongst everything else. And then I find time to do my reviews. So usually straight after the film, or sometimes the next day. So uh, it can be pretty full on, but hey, that's how it is. Yeah, I. I can totally 100% relate to most of that. Um, I started Burke Reviews uh, two years ago as well, and I I set out that year to watch uh, 366 movies in 366 days. Um, Wow. Yeah, and it was was a leap year that year, and I I gave myself a little leeway because I just – I made it seven movies a week. Didn't matter if I watched, you know, two on a Saturday or whatever, but um, I teach high school film, and so – that was a big part of my uh, my goal was to expand my horizons to like encourage my students to watch films out of their comfort zones and things like that and um 
and then it just kind of took off from there. So I, I kind of completely relate. Um, do you, do you watch films with your students as well? Or oh yeah, yeah. That counts towards your target. <laughs> it, it sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. Um, it's like I, I that year I was trying, I couldn't write a review if I saw a movie like before or you know earlier in the year, which a lot of times that's what will happen is I'll come across a film. And I'm like, oh, this will be really cool to introduce to my students. And so if I rewatch it, then I don't write another review or whatever, which that made it complicated that year. I, yeah. I have backed off of that. I don't have a requirement for like viewing now. But that first year, that was like the setup of the website was that's I'm going to you know write 366 reviews this year. <laughs> I did beat that, though. I did. I, I actually watched 384. So I was. That's that's good. That's <laughs> did, did, did you find time to sleep or eat or anything or? I don't know how. Um, I also, <laughs> I was also getting my master's in uh, information technology at the time, um, and yeah. So I, you know, I sleep about five hours a day. Uh, I still kind of follow that pattern. Um, although I have to admit, I, I I slept in today, which I don't usually do, but I allowed myself to catch up on some some Z's, and I actually feel more tired because of that. So <laughs> I I don't know how you do five hours a day. No chance. No way. I. I you know, if we were the night, yeah. If it were up to me, I wouldn't sleep because I like there's <laughs> there's so many things I really want to keep doing, but like I know that I have to recharge the batteries. But yeah, eventually, I, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And Corey marvels at me all the time about that too. She is. <laughs> I don't know. I'm... Do you sleep at all, either? <laughs> oh, I do. I would like to get a solid eight or nine nine hours a day, but I don't. I am an insomniac, but I don't know how he does that consistently. No, I agree. It's crazy. I might actually be crazy. Who knows? Um, yeah. <laughs> I, I like to juggle things. So, you know, not literal juggle, but, you know, um, I fail at I, that. I, I, I. <laughs> um, so, Matt, uh, what part of, of England, or is it, I, I feel so dumb talking because I don't want to sound like an idiot when I ask these questions, no. but what part of uh, England are you in? Um, I am currently in a place called Essex, Brentwood in Essex. It's about, oh, blimey, half an hour north of London kind of way. Just, um, okay. I'm, originally, I'm originally from a little town about half an hour south of London, but I moved up here to live with my partner. Um, so there's not an awful lot goes on here, but um, we have a cinema near. We have a few cinemas nearby. Um, so that's handy one one of them's only about four pounds a film so i guess for you guys it's about two dollars fifty a film so what yeah nice. we have we have two of those nearby so but um no it's not a nice nice part of the world yeah it's I'll... never sunny but it's a nice part of the world oh <laughs> mm. see i i am in the sunshine state which is often also never sunny but um <laughs> as we are you know pelted with hurricanes and such frequently but um you can keep them yeah yeah <laughs> thank you <laughs> <laughs> If I can say, yeah. Um, I've only been to Florida once. I think I was about five, but um, there wasn't any hurricanes then. But there was a lot of Disney around, so. Yes. Yes. And that that is a big part, for sure, uh, of <laughs> living in this area. Um, I don't live too far from Disney. I'm about 40 minutes away or so. Uh, okay. But just, and we're in a small, oh, well, I'm in a small town. Corey's in a small potato state. Um, <laughs> it's trying really hard to be a city. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you are in the biggest city in the potato state, are you not? Um, yeah, this is uh, the closest thing to a city that Idaho has. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's trying. It's trying so hard. I just like the name the Potato State. <laughs> the We're the Gem cool. State, though. <laughs> You're the Gem State? I didn't know that. The Gem yeah, State. Yeah. Huh? Yeah. Lots of um, – because uh, we 
okay, so we have a national monument, uh, or sorry, wrong word. We have a national park close by called the Craters of the Moon, and it is an old volcano. Um, it's oh, old nice. volcano sediment and stuff, and has caves, and it's really cool. But yeah, the Gem State, John, get it together. I I, just, <laughs> I really like potatoes, and I know potatoes are delicious. I'm not sure where the line comes from potatoes to gems, but it must <laughs> meet somewhere. Yeah. Oh, yes. I do want to tell you guys this. It was just the New Year. I can't do it because I think it's embarrassing. But downtown Boise, every year they drop a potato for New Year's. <laughs> <laughs> And really silly. It explodes in the tater tots, and then everybody's happy. <laughs> yes. It's one way to bring in the Catch new year. Bucket. <laughs> well, I um, I, I definitely relate. Uh, as you can tell, Matt, my co-host lives in a, a, several states away from me because I love movies, and I talk about movies so much, and I, I find it often challenging to find local friends who are uh, into as movies as much as I am. Although. Yep. Movie Pass is helping tremendously because I've got I've gotten several of my friends to get a Movie Pass and now they're much more willing to come to the films with me. I've heard about Movie Pass, isn't this? You get you you, you have a card and you, you have to be is it you have to be near the cinema to be able to get it? Is that right or the theatre or yeah, um, exactly. It's free or... Yeah, it's uh, you pay right now. It's ten bucks a month. I'm not sure uh, what you know different currencies might be, but. Um, and I think we may have lost Corey. Hang on one second. Um, Corey has a cat friend uh, <laughs> who is h- hitting her keyboard, apparently. Um, Fantastic. Not sure how to add her back. Not sure how to type that, but yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, you know, um, I'm going to just tell her to try to rejoin. But um, and uh, but with MoviePass, it, it has an app that you use on any smartphone. And you check into like the theater, and you do have to be like within walking distance, essentially. Gotcha. Um, and then you walk up and buy the car- ticket like normal. It's it swipes like a regular credit card. The difference is they pay the bill, you just pay for the service. Um, okay. Yeah, we have something similar over here. It's like the unlimited cards. I think we pay about eighteen pounds, so fifteen bucks a month, and you go as many times as you want a day. So you can oh, go wow. into every. You can go. You can spend all day every day in there for a month for fifteen pounds. So, but then they hike the price of everything else up. So, a popcorn and a coke is about uh, is about ten pounds. Mm. So they do get you in that way. Well, I guess that's that's a kind of better deal. Movie Pass, you can go to one movie a day, um, so you couldn't spend the day at the cinema. Which a lot of times, especially if I'm driving far to like to see, my local theater doesn't get all of the the big art you know artsy films all the time. Yeah. Um, and so like if I drive out you know forty minutes to a, a theater that has them. I could only see one from the past, and then I would have to pay for the other ticket, which, you know, sometimes I'm willing to do if there's enough going on. But um, at least you haven't got a pay still. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, but whoa, that was interesting. Um, so you write reviews. Do you do you find film criticism to be like an important part of the film going experience? Yeah, I do. Um, I've, I'm a firm, but if it might go, to, it might go against what I actually do, but I'm a firm believer in you. You watch a film and you make your own mind up. So what I try to do is just is analyse the film, um, sort of break it down, and give my own personal opinion. But it's never a case of you. You. You shouldn't. You, you don't ever go and watch this film, or this is the only film you have to see this year. Type of um, bluster. It's just a case of this is either. You know, fantastic, great, good, average, or this—you know, this isn't a good film. This is terrible. 
but um, it's kind of more of a, a jog, a sort of a, a nudge in your side, just to sort of say, yeah, check this out, or you know, maybe don't. But I, but I mean, so many people nowadays have got their own opinions. Um, I just like I just like to sort of give them a little nudge rather than telling them outright, you have to see this film, or this is the worst film ever made. So yeah, so so, so to answer, that, so yeah, I think it it's still important. I think it's very important. Um, and you've only got to go online now to see how much stock people actually hold in uh, Rotten Tomatoes or or anything, just to see how much people still want to know what other people think. But mm-hmm. you know, in the end of the day, you use use them as a as a tool to help you maybe rather than the build and endure of your decision. Yeah, and that's that's how I like to approach it too. Is um, you know, I like one before I was doing it myself, I found critics that I seem to have like similar opinions in. Yeah. And so, um, you know, I was able to make that um, distinction because, like, well, they like this, I like this, they don't like that, I don't like that. So now they see something I haven't seen, I kind of can, you know, gauge, like, maybe I'll feel the same way. Yeah. Um, I found it unbelievably hard to try to do, like, the traditional five-star or ten-star rating because I didn't feel like those had context to me of, like, what's a, what makes a movie an eight-star movie versus a seven-star or a nine-star, like... You know, I mean, like placing yeah. them was was challenging, and that's why I crafted like a, what essentially is a rubric for judging um, films that I, you know, we have just cutesy names for, um, with must see being our our favorite films, and then uh, avoid like the plague for the films that we <laughs> cannot stand. So I like that idea. See, I do do I do the ten star, uh, the ten popcorn ratings, um, and it's kind of I. I do it by first impression, so I kind of always generally set the bar when I watch a film because nowadays film, Hollywood films, especially or the even the indie films, you know, that you expect them to be of a certain, you know, six, seven out of ten maybe if you're going to go that way. But um, so I always start at that kind of gauge. But I don't know, it's just usually for me, I can always formulate in my head, or you know, this is like four out of ten, I'm not enjoying this, or I, I like it, or this is kind of an average film, but it's above average for seven. But I kind of like your idea. I might steal it. Oh, I, I would. You know, <laughs> I would have no issue with that. Yeah, because um, I I did like I started with ten stars, and then I was just like when I would rate films, I was very like unsure if I was using the same criteria or not. You know what I mean? Like, okay, this one's a ten, but is this one a ten? Like, how do I how do I yes. distinguish? And it was so overwhelming that I was like, I need some kind of criteria that I can use to judge that. I am saying, like, this is what I consider to be a must-see film, and this is what I consider to be this and that. But and... you're not putting it above this film, so it's like per se, so... Yeah, exactly. There's no necessary yeah. ranking, and um, certain things will click with me for must-see that I don't always understand, and uh, I very rarely find the Avoid Like the Plague movie- movies. Like, this week I found two. <laughs> I know one of them. <laughs> yeah, and that was by accident on both. Um, but I, I am trying as I look to become a better critic uh, to not avoid movies that I don't initially think will interest me, um, like Winchester, I really didn't want to see, but it's out. It made sense to, to see it and to, to give it a fair shot. And this time I was, I was correct with my initial assumption that it wasn't for me. <laughs> um, I've, been, I've been looking forward to seeing that film. And I woke, I woke up the other day and I saw all of these reviews flooding in and just saying, basically it's just a, pile of rubbish <laughs> but yeah. i still i'm going to go and see it um but that's the kind that's, that's one of the good things about doing this kind of as a hobby or profession is i've certainly got like yourself i've got to see a lot of films which probably i may not have bothered seeing or wanted to see or been interested in in the last few years and actually they 
by doing that, I've actually found a, a lot of films which I consider, you know, fantastic, which probably wouldn't have looked at a couple of years ago. Exactly. Um, my wife is really not good at this, but she likes to pick movies by the the cover art on Netflix or on whatever <laughs> streaming service we're watching, and she's picked some duds. But she's also found some films that I would have never watched that I've loved. Um, one was uh, East Side Sushi. Um, I haven't seen that, and I hadn't even heard of it. And <laughs> um, she she picked it randomly. I don't even. She's not even a fan of sushi, so I don't know what made her pick this one. <laughs> But she picked it up, and I was just there, and I was like, all right, I'll watch it. And, like, 20 minutes in, I was hooked. And by the end, I really loved it. And then, by luck, found it at, a uh, like, a thrift shop the next day, like, for a buck on DVD. And I was like, well, I'm going to buy this and show it to my students. And um, my, my high school, we have a culinary program, too. And she's asked me in the past, the teacher, like, is there any films that are, like, really good food films that are school-appropriate? And the answer is not easy to find because like chef is a great food movie but it's not completely school appropriate you know there's a lot of cursing in it and whatnot yeah but east side sushi is like the perfect combination because it's really about the food it has a lot of really great visuals that really showcase the, the sushi especially um and yet it's it's pg it's tame and uh characters are very endearing so that's become i think two years in a row she's shown it and then this year they watched it and then attempted to make their own sushi for the first time so <laughs> I'm like, is it a comedy? Uh, it's it's more drama. It's more drama. There's definitely some humor in it. Um, there's one. The opening scene could make people turn it off because there is or opening sequence. Um, there's a lifetime type moment where like she yeah. gets she's working like a food cart, like a fruit cart, and uh, she gets robbed, and it's it's pretty melodramatic. But then from there it gets really great. Like it's that was like they didn't invest a lot in the uh the casting of the robbers because it's a small moment in the film and it shows you know <laughs> like but uh it, if you stick it out it's it's worth it i promise well i promise you i'll watch this film now and i will let you know what we what i think great east side sushi east side sushi uh, it, and i look forward to hearing your 50 shades free oh, no. opinion as well that <laughs> that's thursday night man i i'm just i'm begging my wife to come with me because i don't want to be the one oh, guy in the theater <laughs> <laughs> that everyone's just assuming i'm there because it's a sex movie <laughs> like yeah just in the back just in the shade somewhere yeah exactly ex and i usually sit in the back because if i sometimes i'll take notes on my phone like not not You're a lot of notes, but yeah yeah exactly i i am not not thrilled about even just being in the theater. Also concerned because I do teach high school. Like how many of my like students' parents might be at that movie, and like <laughs> Mr. Birkenfield. Like no, no, it's not me. I promise. Uh, here's, yeah. here's my hat. Keep watching the screen. Look yeah, away. Look away. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, and I assume you're not going to go and watch the other two beforehand now. Uh, I still haven't decided. I have a few days. I could definitely fit them in. Um, I actually own the second one because uh, Regal Cinemas did a promotion last year. Um, if you saw four movies, you got the digital copies for each one, and two of the movies were Get Out and Split. And I was good, oh, good, yeah. yeah, exactly. I was already going to see those. Um, I the uh, I think the fourth one was The Great Wall. I think, Ugh. yeah. Which I was like, yeah. I don't mind seeing that one, but the 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 fourth movie in the collection that you had to see to get the digital copies for all of them was Fifty Shades Darker. So that's I the, that's that, that's the that's a hook there. Yeah, well, so I to bought get these films. You have to watch this film. I just bought the ticket and then I walked away. Like <laughs> I was <laughs> like, I want the I want Get Out and I want Split for sure on digital. So why not just buy the stupid ticket 
and walk away. And so I didn't see it, but I I do own the digital copy of that movie. So, well, just if, if you do if you if you want to watch it, the second one is awful. <laughs> just to let you know. Oh man, I when you when you've got I think American Pie is more sensual than the two <laughs> oh, hey, movies. Corey is <laughs> back, folks. <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. I thought you heard me. You know, it's like beep when I came back. And then you've just come on to what I was talking about Fifty Shades and American Pie. The, the cinematic <laughs> event of the year is yeah. what you mean. Oh. Okay. We'll, yeah, oh, I will be going to see it because we had an I have a, I say argument. We have a, a friendly debate with my partner because she really she, she quite enjoyed those two films and especially the last one, whereas I absolutely oh I hated <laughs> it. But whereas I look at it and think well that wouldn't happen in real life or oh, this is just, this is rubbish. She kind of saw it as just a you know a stupid film just to sit down and watch for two hours, but it's so bad you will not be able to do that. Oh, no. so, on, so on that note, enjoy. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, Big Tuna has doomed me. I don't know. <laughs> he this is um, I know Big Tuna through uh, he was one of my students, um, and from the the first day of class, I knew he knew more about movies than I did at the time. I, I called him a walking Wikipedia for film. Um, <laughs> And he is he is very knowledgeable on film. He's he's a kid who's known for a long time that film was his future. Like he's gonna he's gonna be going to school for for film. Um, hopefully, we'll either we'll hear about him as a fil- film critic who's super famous or a filmmaker. Either way, uh, I, and I had him for two years. And the last two years, um, he's in the IB program at our school, and so he's not in my realm. Uh, of of classes, but I still I've, we just end up at the same movies all the time because he goes pretty much every week to a, to a movie, and so I don't know if he's if he's like this is my chance to punish my teacher or what <laughs> his goal was with Fifty Shades Freed being on his list because I, I you my, must have marked him down for something. I mean, my the meanest thing I'm making him watch is the 1995 Judge Dredd with Sylvester Stallone. <laughs> That's not even that bad. No, it's 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 stupid. It's awful, but it's funny. Awful. Like, You're gonna have yeah. to up your game next time. Yeah, I I, I went a little too kind. I, I had considered rubber, and then I opted to not make him watch the telekinetic tire. <laughs> I I kind of regret it. <laughs> You're too nice, clearly. Well, um, we're gonna get into some specific uh, getting to know Matt a little more about movie questions. But the first one I noticed was, um, and I, I don't, I've, I've met you on Twitter via your What I Watch Tonight handle. Um, yes. But then today I, I noticed that you uh, tweeted out that you were, from your personal account, that you were going to um, be on our, our podcast. Yeah. And I noticed your last name, which I don't know, do you publicize yes. your last name or do you keep that? It's on, if, if you go to my website, it's only at the very bottom. Okay. Um, sort of like 2016, and it's got my name on it. I've, it hasn't really been a conscious effort, but I have noticed somebody mentioned to me a couple of months ago that if you, if, if you browse around, it doesn't actually mention my name at all. On other thing, on IMDb, when I put my reviews on there, you have to put your name on. You have to obviously. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Publish your name, but other than that, I don't do it. But it's not really a conscious effort, reason why. Well, and the reason I ask is um, your your personal account, which I won't say exactly in case you're not trying to make people follow you on there but is i i saw hudson hawk yes which is a movie that as bad as bruce i willis film, yeah. yeah i love despite it being considered one of the worst bruce willis films <laughs> at like i believe 17 percent on or i'm sorry 17 on metascore from metacritic and i made Corey and mike watch that 
um, after they lost to me in our summer movie draft this past summer as uh, not a punishment, but Mike had never seen it and Corey had never seen it. And I, the, it, I'd i been ridiculed for liking the film. I, I was expecting way worse. Again, I'm too nice, I think, because I, I find that movie to be hilarious. But you were trying to just share it with us. I was. I don't feel like you were trying to punish us, but after all of the talking that Mike did, I was expecting mm-hmm. this movie that I'm going to be like, really? This was an hour and a half or two hours of my life. I'm never getting back. And, you know, just, I don't know. It wasn't that bad. So my question, Matt, are you a fan of Hudson Hawk? I'm a fan of the front cover of the DVD. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably about as far as I'll go. I, I mean, I got the name. Someone I used to work with gave me the name because, I don't know, he must have thought it was a you know hilarious joke. But yes. uh, it's kind of stuck. Um, I have seen the film, and I kind of air more on the side of Corey, as I say. <laughs> it's not so bad, but I'm never going to be in a rush to watch it again. Now, but it's not as bad as 17%. Yeah, yeah, agreed. And I, I found it on as a kid. Um, I don't remember what made me rent it, but I, I found it. I loved it as a kid. Like, I found it just so ridiculous and fun. <laughs> and I, I am – Bruce Willis is my favorite 80s action star. Um, like, people like Stallone or Schwarzenegger, I've always been Bruce Willis. Die Hard is better than Rambo, is better than Terminator, in my opinion. Is it a Christmas film? I also will say it's a Christmas film. I will vouch. Yes, good, oh, good. Um, and – this year, it really that debate heated up more than in the past, and I feel like it's been answered. Um, but yeah, Hudson Hawk. I don't. Again, I also admit, like, yes, it's there's awful moments, but Danny Aiello, I find so charming, and um, I, I, my favorite coffee beverage is a cappuccino because of that movie. Like when I was a kid, I didn't even know what it was, but he wanted a cappuccino so bad in my head, it was like it must be the best thing ever because he's going way out of his way to get one and everyone keeps stopping him from having it i have to have one and so um to this day it's still my favorite like go-to uh espresso drink is cappuccino so i I was kind of thrilled to see that as your name although a little disappointed now that you're not as uh, your your passion you're clearly passionate about it makes me want to go and watch it one more time you know (laughs) it it is it's a film that i think now i've just become the champion of i am gonna defend it And admit, like, yes, it's it's silly, but come on, like, there's other movies that are way worse than Hudson Hawk. Um, oh yeah. But so, getting into these questions, uh, these are questions we generally ask our, our guests before we get to their top five, just to kind of know a little more about your movie history. And so, okay. we'll start with what is the first movie that you remember watching? Oh, I have a few. I mean, the first I have because I have. The first movie I ever that stuck out to me mm. was uh, was Night of the Living Dead. Oh yes. And oh. I was about I was about five, and I was at a relative's house, and for some reason my auntie put it on TV, thinking this is the kind of thing a five year old boy <laughs> is going to watch. <laughs> and I sat there watching it in front of the TV, and I think it's about the moment in the farmhouse where oh, the wow. woman's being stalked, and it, and I just saw these <laughs> horrible th- muta- things coming towards her. And the last thing, all I remember was crying behind a pillow for <laughs> half an hour and my mum not being very happy when she picked me up. Oh, I um, So that's my first <laughs> movie memory. Um, and then after that, I think it's the, it's the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, Secrets of the Ooze. Yes, excellent. You, you know that, good. Um, that's the first film I saw at the cinema anyway. But um, I, when I was a kid, I, I used to love Turtles or Ghostbusters. Okay. I'd come home from school, I'd sit there and play with those all day. Um, and when I realised they were on the cinema, because I thought they were behind the screen when I was a kid, but oh. that's the first film I remember seeing at the cinema, and I, I still love it now. 
I guess that's my Hudson Hawk. <laughs> you know what? I don't remember what our top five list was, but I totally pulled The Secret of the Ooze as yes. uh, one of my songs because of Vanilla Ice's uh, Ninja Rap. Yeah, yeah, I, mem- I remember that. And um, what, uh, Shredder? Oh, yeah. Shredder and I had a Tucker and Nurata Reza. Yeah, that oh, was... I just remember it being utterly cheesy, but mm-hmm. that and Vanilla Ice was just the ultimate cheesy in the end of it. But Definitely. Hey. But super memorable, and they even—I uh, don't know if they, if this commercial aired anywhere outside of the states, but um, there was a, a the when the second Michael Bay produced Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle film came out a few years ago, they did a macaroni and cheese commercial where they had Vanilla Ice as a stock boy in the grocery store, and they did the ninja rap as part of the commercial because it was like Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle shaped macaroni, and. Uh, it made my day because I was like, "Oh my god, this is my childhood on commercial!" Like, and poor Vanilla Ice is pretending to be a stock boy at a grocery store. <laughs> um, <laughs> he's found his calling. He's found his. Yeah, I can box macaroni cheese. You know, these shelves better than anybody. But, um, yes. I never saw that. I can't. I can't say I've seen that advert, but now I kind of want to. Well, I am sure that is on YouTube. So definitely check that out. And. Um, I Ghostbusters was my first theatrical experience. I was only two years old when my, I went and saw it. Um, but I, I Ghostbusters and Turtles were my childhood as well. I loved those more than anything, and um, so yeah, definitely. I think we have found uh, our British Florida counterparts here. Um, Fantastic, we found something. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But I remember about the, well, this is going to make me sound like the wimpiest kid, but in Ghostbusters scared me as a kid because it was the it was the the dogs statues that came alive. Mm. Oh that, yeah, that walked oh, me. Yeah. That walked me for about ten years. Um, but really, I'm not so much of a wimp really, but <laughs> that scared the heck out of me. Oh yeah, totally. But I love the film. I love the film. I think even the librarian at the beginning, I think, freaked me out as a kid. But I still like I stuck through it. You know, like I maybe closed my eyes when that part came on, <laughs> yeah. and then I was good. Um, I was scared of gremlins as well. So, mm. dude, the gremlins are I was scared horrifying. Of quite a lot as kids. You know the worst part is yeah, yeah. The raptors in Jurassic Park gave me nightmares for months because they can oh, freaking open doors. As they should. Yeah, they can. That was like doors. a horror film. That part. Yeah, it was. I, I, uh, when they in the kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. That sequence, man. Like I would have, they would just haunt my nightmares for for weeks after I saw that movie. Um, still saw that movie four times in the theater, uh, despite the nightmares. But, um, all right. What's a movie character that you would most like to be like? Um, probably the galaxy's greatest, coolest smuggler, on Solo. Oh. Oh, yeah. he's cool. He's cool. He's he's the ultimate cool. He's a smuggler. He's the cocky one. Who's you know he's good at t- he talked his way out of stuff. Even though he's absolutely terrible at talking his way out of stuff. <laughs> For real. And it's the cool ship. He's got a a, lo- a loyal dog with a laser crossbow or Chewy, and he gets to princess <laughs> in the end. So. That's a great answer for so many reasons. Um, how excited are you for the solo movie? I think I'm one of the two percent who's actually really looking forward to it. So, me too. Uh, I, I I'm all I'm all about the world building, and it's good. It, I don't see how it's not going to be a fun film. Yeah. I just don't. I don't know how they're not going to make it just a, a throwback and just good fun. I I am a huge fan of Donald Glover too, and him playing yes. Lando has me completely excited. Um, I think I'm more excited for that. Yeah, and. I've seen um, Hail Caesar and uh, Rules Don't Apply, which I can never remember the the actor's name who's playing Han Solo, 
But Alden, I think I can't say uh, Eckenrod. Yeah, that's it. That's it. And some, it's something like that. Yeah. I loved him in the um in Hail Caesar. I thought he was fantastic. So he's the best part of that film. I, I'm I'm partial to Josh Berlin, but yeah, he he's definitely one of the easily the standout of that film though. Like what I remember most about it are his sequences, and um, I'm hoping that he he nails Solo. And you know, there's like I like Ron Howard's a solid director. So yeah. even though I, I would have liked to see what Lord and Miller were gonna do. I'm okay with them replacing them with Howard because I know Howard's gonna, you know, make a solid film, and at, at best, yeah, at best, it's gonna be a solid film. Yes, and maybe, maybe it'll be the one that uh, stands out, you know, as these uh, different, you know, breakaway films are made. Um, but yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing it, and uh, you know, it'll be here soon. Apparently, we're getting something over the weekend. So, oh, that's right, the Super Bowl is supposed to uh, premiere the trailer. Oh. Yeah. That's... So all eyes on. Um, so come Monday morning, I'll be uh, checking straight away. So yeah, exactly. Because I, man, uh, I don't know. I haven't. I haven't been keeping up with sports for like the last two years. I'm not 100 percent if I'm going to watch the Super Bowl or not. Um, See, I'm. A, I'm a, in terms of American sport, I'm a uh, NHL fan. Ah, mm-hmm. I, I, I want to be an NHL fan. Like I just every time I attempt it, I just end up not like watching it. But. <laughs> I like the idea of hockey a whole lot. Just I, I don't know. I've not. I think I need to go to a game. I and mean, we have we have a pretty great team uh, over here. The Panthers, yeah, yeah, and Tampa Bay Lightning. Well, which, the Tampa Bay, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I just haven't made made an effort to go. But I hear it's great. So on the list, um, <laughs> uh, what what movie have you seen the most in a theater, Matt? In a theater, The Dark Knight. Man, when that film came out, I remember I saw it on opening night um, over here, and then I think I saw it about four more times after that, four or five times after that. And I'm I'm not somebody who usually goes to a cinema. If I see it once, yeah, you know, I may I'll probably wait for it to come out in digital or home release. But oh man, I went to see that film about four, five, six times at the cinema. Man, that you know, Christopher Nolan has that effect. Uh, our good friend Corey and I, our good friend Brendan, who was on our last interview episode, um, his most seen movie is a Christopher Nolan film, uh, Interstellar. Uh, he saw 12 times. 12. Yeah. Which that's, he was dedicated. Um, and most of those incre- were IMAX. Yeah. I, my, my, mine stops at four with Jurassic park, which, uh, as a kid. And that was like Jurassic park had a long theatrical run. So it wasn't all, you know, in a few weeks, like I saw twice at the big theater. And then we had like the dollar theaters that I saw it at when it got there. Um, and he just love he just loved being haunted by the raptors. The raptors. We get it. Yeah, I was <laughs> apparently a little masochistic as a kid. I don't know. Um, <laughs> all right. Uh, yeah, uh, Dark Knight. I I'm a huge Batman nerd. Like that's a big part of like I'm sitting in a room surrounded by Batman memorabilia right now. In fact, and other nerdy memorabilia, but a lot of it's Batman. And uh, Dark Knight is easily one of my favorite Batman related content of like from books or whatever. I I love Heath Ledger's performance in that movie so much. Oh, uh, that is the, his, his performance was, I remember, cause I, I remember at the time, <clears throat> I remember the year or two when he was, when he was cast or announced, I remember the uproar. I remember going on the IMDB message boards and people were, were they couldn't believe that the guy from 10 things I hate about you yeah. and a Knight's tale were going, was good. And they hadn't seen any of other films mind, but was yeah. going to be the Joker. And just, I just seeing him. When the first time they came on screen, you think you didn't even realise who it was. Yeah. Didn't look like Heath Ledger. Didn't it never, it never at one point did I think, but oh, that's that's Heath Ledger in some you know mad makeup. 
he's fantastic in that role. But it's not it's not even just him. I mean, Christian Bale's fantastic in that. I think he's the Me best too. Batman. I agree. I agree. Aaron Eckhart, he's he's great. Uh, Gary Oldman is always great. Oh yeah. Uh, and, not always. Normally. <laughs> <laughs> not always. We just had the very unfortunate. We we saw oh, his first film um, recently for an episode of Movie Club, and it, it it neither of us were very impressed with that. But I mean, it was his first film. To be fair, it was Tim Roth too, uh, and yeah. I was just mm, I don't even remember the name of the movie. I'm trying to erase it from my memory. Yeah, is is it Meantime? The usually, the usually great Gary Oldman. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and he was—he's definitely great as as Commissioner Gordon. Oh, I, mean, I love him as Commissioner as Gordon. Gordon. Yeah, there's just something about the film, like the whole crime noir, the thriller aspect of it. It doesn't—I mean, I mean, it just doesn't feel like a superhero film. No, it just feel, feels like you know a guy who just happens to like dressing up as a bat um, takes on a, against a crazy guy who just wants to you know burn the world. Yeah, and the two of them meet—it's just a fantastic movie. I don't, it's, even to this day, I watched it again recently, and I was just blown away by it. It hasn't got old. Um, no, and that that performance by Peace Ledger—that's never that, that will never get old. That is, that's probably one of my top fifteen performances of all time. It's so good. Yeah, and I've I've argued for a long time that the Joker is the best villain ever written in any medium of story. I don't care if you're talking like classic novels or even spoken word before ri- the written language existed. To me, the Joker is. <laughs> The best villain. Um, That's in a good regard. debate topic for your show, though. I think he's yeah. the best villain <laughs> uh, for sure. And um, yeah, and Heath Ledger's uh, Heath Ledger's performance as the Joker is possibly the best version. Although I am very partial to the animated Batman uh, Mark Hamill's Joker. Yep. Um, but I do love Ledger's Joker for sure. I hate Jared Leto's Joker so much. <laughs> I was kind of on the fence with his Joker. I, I thought he was okay, but he's got the problem now that. He's he was the first you know movie but Joker after Heath yeah. Ledger's so he's always going to be good so compared to that yeah it was awful but I don't think uh, he, I thought he was okay I didn't think it was too bad I would have liked I felt like his place in that movie was so pointless that it made it worse um, but he could he could have not been in the film and it wouldn't have made a difference exactly whatsoever. and I wish that I w- you can't use a character like the Joker like that like to me that's just it's it's a disgrace that that's how he was used had he been the villain or had he been a major component to the film maybe we would have found some enjoyment because it wasn't even leto's performance that i didn't like i didn't like the art design um which, yeah. yeah but you know uh, we could spend way too long discussing the awfulness of suicide squad and i have yet to watch bright um but oh. yeah ah, <laughs> i guess i have <laughs> I think if I if I could somehow manage to work out how to write down ugh, as a rating, that <laughs> that is bright. It's oh man, it's it should have been so good, but it's just hand the way it's executed and the writing is awful. But um, yeah, that, again, I could I could go on for quite a while about about that. I really wanted to like it, but I just couldn't. Yeah, I um our friend Brendan, who I've now mentioned twice, uh, also that's. I think he I'm might obsessed with you. I'm kidding. Yeah, he, he <laughs> might have said that was the worst movie he's ever seen. I can't remember. It was something. Oh. He went. He went big with the uh, the like analysis, and um, oh. I, I'm going to watch it at some point. I just <laughs> I, I just keep delaying it. So from I don't the know. red box for the red. What do you mean? from the red box? Minimal financial. Oh, it's on Netflix. Steak. It's a Netflix original. Oh. I thought that that was in theaters. No, no. Uh, it. No, I, th- I think they're going to release it. Yeah, for they, a short one. That's they, the Will Smith one, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's right. Joel yeah. Edgerton yeah, has an ogre. It's a Netflix original. Oh my god. 
god! Oh my god! I'm sorry. I was like, for some reason, I'm thinking this was in the theaters because I heard some other friends talking about it. Well, they, I think they were going to release it in theaters. Yeah. I hope, hopefully, not for Academy recognition. Yeah, definitely. Not. I think they were going to give it a short run because they spent about ninety, hundred million dollars on it's it. It's the oh, highest the Netflix heck? production. Yeah. yeah, I think they're kind of thinking that we please we might we need to try and clap clay. Uh, get some of that back. Well, and they've already greenlit a sequel. Um, and I think they greenlit the sequel before the first one came out. They did, but which, they, in hindsight, is a terrible decision because the first huge. one's awful. But they've de- yeah. Netflix has actually defended the film and uh, attacked critics over it, saying that we're out of touch with what's good. Um, so yeah, it's Nef- just very heavy-handed. Yeah. that's all I'll say. When, when you watch this, it, the, you know the messages are good. But it's so heavy-handed, and it's just—it's not well written. It's acted okay. Uh, Joel Edgerton's good, as um, as he seems to be at the minute. Yeah. Um, the only thing I got from Will Smith is, you know, he's he's, he's starting to look a bit old. But that's <laughs> that's all I can take from him from that. But I mean, I'm yeah, it's... always surprised. Oh, no, go ahead. No, please, Corey, go. I was gonna say that uh, I'm always really surprised with Will Smith because he does some really good movies. Yeah. And then. He does not good movies, and it doesn't seem to like. It doesn't seem to affect his image. Yeah, no, it doesn't. He's done some really good dramatic films, but then he kind of follows it up with something like Bright. I mean, <laughs> you look at his last couple though. Like he had the um, oh, uh, I keep forgetting the name of the movie from two Christmases ago. With uh, it has an amazing cast because it's Kate Winslet, Mike oh, Pena. Um. um Oh my god! I cannot think. It's, it's gone. It's, I know exactly what you mean because it, it did have a fantastic cast. I think Ed Norton's in it too, and something Collateral Beauty. Yes, Collateral Beauty. And I didn't see it, so I, I, my criticism of it is not fair. But I, I've read enough. Like I've read the plot and synopsis, and I was so surprised because the movie that I thought it was, based on the trailer, is not the movie that it is, and. It did not do well at all in the box office. So even with, without actually seeing it, you know, there's that's kind of my point. Is he's done a lot of these movies where it's like, it looks like it could be so great, and then it's just huge disappointment, um, box office wise, and then crit- you know, critical reception and even fan reception. You don't hear a lot of people touting, "Hey, you got to see Collateral Beauty," you know. Um, yeah, yeah. And it's it's a shame because I, I grew up a huge Will Smith fan. I and, love I love Will Smith. Yeah. yeah. And but man, some of these last few like I mean, Concussion was a solid movie. Um, some of the like the accent was a little much, and some of the uh, the line reads like "Tell the truth" was, <laughs> was <laughs> a bit too memorable, I think, for what it was. And um, yeah, and then Suicide Squad. I th- I thought he was fine as, in Suicide Squad. He was one. Uh, he wasn't like my issue with the film for sure. Um, I don't think he ever puts in. He's he's usually he can be in bad films, but I know, I don't think he's he's never really. Uh, he's he's never really the worst part of a bad film. Yeah, yeah. He's usually pretty good in it. So that's true. And so you know, Bright, I I eventually will watch, but I don't know. Um, and I guess you're in no rush. Yeah, yeah, I am not. Um, <laughs> this is probably a good uh, question to follow that up with. Is there a movie that like surprised you the most? Like you went in kind of maybe low expectations, and it was really great, or you went in with really high expectations, and it really just crushed you, like it was so bad. Uh, yeah, I mean, recently, um, maybe come as a bit of a surprise, but um, Logan was one of them because oh. I'm not a huge superhero fan. I like them, but I'm, I'm, I wouldn't class them as a massive superhero fan. And again, I wouldn't even class Logan as a superhero film. But I saw the marketing with um, you know the black and white John, with Johnny Cash in the background, and mm-hmm. and I remember thinking, oh, 
what, 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 what is this going to be like? Is it? Um, and then I saw the movie and I thought, wow. And I thought, I thought Logan was incredible. That was one of the best films of the year. Yeah. And I thought Hugh Jackman was one so of the best good. performances of last year. Yeah. I, I wish so it had came out later. Um, I mean, it did get Best Adapted Screenplay nomination, which is huge. That's, that is huge. Um, for a, Especially for a, a comic book character film. But um, if it, I think if it came out later in the year, maybe Jackman's name would be in the, the running a and little Patrick more. Patrick Stewart as well. Oh, man. There's so much emotion in that movie. I haven't been able to bring myself to watch it again. I did buy it the second it came out. And I have the noir version where it's in black and white. And I really want to watch that. But I just, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to sit through some of those scenes again. <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah. Not, I, just, yeah. I just didn't know what to expect from it. I thought, is it going to be kind of a bit like the, the other Wolverine movies that have come out, solo Wolverine movies? But it, I remember watching it, I was absolutely drawn in by it. And like you say, yeah, there's some of those beats beats that happened during it are heavy. It's a, it is a pretty heavy movie. Mm-hmm. But, it, but it's got such a good payoff at the end as well. Totally. Uh, I really enjoyed that film. And, um, well, we're getting to that point. I think we should start uh, getting into your top five all-time uh, favorite movies. Okay. Um, uh, sorry, go for it. Sorry. Yeah, no. Uh, so what we usually do with this, um, one, before we get into your list, we like to give uh, we like to give you free reign to say whatever it is you want to say about these movies. So, Corey, you want to give the spoiler warning? Yes. You guys can go to BerkReviews.com and check out Matt's list. Otherwise, we'll see ahead. There will probably be spoilers, and he may choose not to. But you never know, and we don't. We don't want to censor you, Matt. So if you want to just drop big uh, spoilerly bombs about the movies that you're listening here, now um, you're going to go from number five to number one, and we okay. will most likely have some things to say. Although I, um, you know, Corey and I both have seen quite a bit of movies, and yet it never fails that our our guests seem to have uh, a few movies on their list that we haven't seen. And so I think you may have seen some of these. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Either way, yeah, I, was uh, to, I, was just, I was listening to your episode with um, Chris Beckover from the Better Watch Out director. Yes. And I kind of I've kind of fallen in line with what he says that none of these are kind of sort of you know nineteen hundred films from from Holland or whatever he said. They're all pretty mainstream. That makes that's my my top five is uh, very much mainstream. With uh, my number one, I, I won't say yet, just in case. I don't like to have overlap, but I'll, I'll mention my number one at the end there. Um, so, Matt, what is your number five, top five all-time favorite? No, number five, just cut, uh, two honorable mentions, which I wanted to fit in, but I couldn't. One of them is Double Indemnity, an old 50s ah. film. And another one is the, is uh, last year, La La Land. Ah, um, very just nice. to throw that out, I saw it again last the other night, and I, was, I really, really love that film. That's uh, so a number five, uh, Million Dollar Baby. See, oh. I've not seen this one. Oh, it's um, Clint Eastwood, uh, Hilary Swank, Morgan Freeman, and the three of them. It's uh, three of them together are oh, just dynamite. There's something about boxing films. I don't know what it is, but I get drawn into boxing films. Um, I don't know if it's. Uh, I don't even follow the sport, but it's. Uh, I don't know if it's the sort of the singular journey of the protagonist or from the grotty gyms to the glitz of the lights to the final showdown. But there's something about boxing films which just captures my attention. Uh, and this one is, for me, the best of the best of them all. Oh, wow. Yeah. You I, know, like, I like Rocky, but this is this is something else, I think. I need to definitely check this one out. I, I too, have found I'm not a big boxing fan. I, I do like MMA quite a bit, but I've never been into boxing. I've always found it a little <laughs> slow and, and 
um, often the payoff of a fight is either way too quick or way too long, you know, where you get to that decision 12 rounds later. Um, but boxing movies, I, I agree. Everyone I've given a chance, I think I have enjoyed to some degree, but I have some big holes. This being one raging bull I've never seen. Um, and there's one. Other, oh, uh, I don't know if it's a big hole, but I haven't seen Southpaw, but I am a Jake Gyllenhaal fan. So that's, that's one. That's a good film. Yeah. That's one I really want to check out, but I did see, um, bleed for this last year or the year before with Miles Teller. Miles Teller. Yeah. And I, th- I thought that was excellent and underseen. Um, not, not enough people were talking about that film. I agree with that. I agree with that. I love Miles Teller, but I'm a million, million dollar, baby. It's, yeah. When you get a chance, check it out. It's, it's, it's fantastic. And Hilary Swank is incredible. Oh, she's, I think she won. Uh, I think she won Best Actress. I think the film itself won Best Picture. I think won Best Director, Best Actress. I think Morgan Freeman got Best Supporting Actor. Oh wow! So it pretty okay. it swept the, pretty much the major awards. But you know, it's fairly. It's an. It's, it's a long. It's a couple of hours long. It's a. It's fairly slow. The pace itself is quite slow because we. It takes time to obviously, you know, learn more about the characters. It really delves into them. Uh, mm. There's a lot of heart. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of emotion. But there's some good. There's, there's so many messages about values and truths and loyalty and fear and you know it's the message. Basically, the message is it's okay. For, it's okay to fail. Um, it's better to it's better to fail than to never try. So. Yeah. But it's just such such a good film. I could I can't recommend it enough. Yep, that is on my uh, must see list now. Um, I I am I'm lukewarm with Eastwood's films. Uh, everyone every like I love Sully. I didn't love American Sniper. Um, I'm not really looking forward to the 1527 to Paris or whatever it is. Um, 17, I think, yeah, to Paris. That's coming out next week, I think. Yeah, uh, I'm not. Well, I have to see Fifty Shades Freed next week. But, uh, <laughs> um, Your diary's booked. Yeah, it, I'm a little. Oh, but, and, you know, I, I don't know. Um, I, I think I've seen a couple of other of his directing films, but this one, I've it's been on my radar for uh, obviously a long time. It won all the awards. I think I actually own it. I just have not gotten to it, and so uh, this this recommendation comes strong. It's such a good film. I, I, well, I'm pretty sure you won't be disappointed. I'm, I'm looking at the cast, and I'm like surprised because like Jake Baruchel is in this. And... Yeah, he's a, he's um he's a kind of a fairly minor supporter that character who comes in every now and then, but he has a he has a you know a small but fairly important role. Michael Pena is in this, and Anthony Mackie. Yep. we got uh, two. You know, we got. Falcon and uh, Ant Man's assistant. Um, yeah. Uh. So, man, I'm sorry. I just got a message from one of my students that they're about to watch me and Earl and the Dying Girl, and that made me very happy. Um. <laughs> what's uh? Let's Corey. Have you seen Million Dollar Baby? A long time ago. I can't believe it was released in uh, 2004. But I really enjoyed it. But I feel like it's also kind of a heavy movie. Yeah. yeah. It, definitely has that vibe i you know i am uh i was a karate kid fanatic so i have to admit i was i became a hillary swank fan when she was the next karate kid yeah and i forgot about that yeah most people did because it's not a good movie but as a kid it was on hbo like all the time so i would just keep watching it because it was like well there's mr miyagi how bad can it be like it's Mr. Miyagi. You're uh, touching a film by Mr. Miyagi's presence. Exactly, it, and and <laughs> she's a good actress even then. You know, it's it, there's a lot of cheese in that, and I believe Michael Ironside is the uh, the the antagonist like teacher, and he's always you know big. If I'm wrong, it may not be Ironside, but I'm pretty sure it is. But um, I think that's probably a good point to transition 
to your number four, Matt. Uh, number four is Lord of the Rings, The Two Towers. Ah, oh, you picked one specifically. I did pick The Two Towers. I mean, I love the I love the trilogy, and as it happens, I've got the television on mute at the minute, and um, un- unfortunately, An Unexpected Journey is playing in the background. Um, uh. <laughs> that didn't make my top five, as a spoiler. Um, but The Two Towers, um, I... I love the I love the trilogy. Um, you've got I I really enjoy the first one and the third one, but I think the two towers is it tops them all. Um, I know every sequel seems to get the comparison, but there's a real sort of Empire Strikes Back tone to it. Mm. Um, the Fellowship wasn't exactly a jolly movie. Um, I mean, Frodo <laughs> seemed to enjoy getting stabbed quite a few times during that. But um, with the two towers, I mean, the stakes were ramped up. You really saw the how you know how big the bad guys were. The heroes don't exactly run away with a massive win. Uh, and Helm's Deep at the very end. That's one of them that literally defines epic Helm's Deep. The battle, the battle of Helm's Deep. Now, is, um, is this a film you've seen like several times? Is this one you rewatch like every year, kind of thing? Or um, I recently, well, I watched all for my sins. I watched all the Hobbit trilogy and the Rings trilogy, the extended ones, a couple of weeks ago. Hmm. I watched one every night for six days. Um, it's something I've been meaning. I'd, I'd like to watch it more, but. Probably for the last couple of years, I've been thinking I really want to watch that t- the, the the Lord of the Rings trilogy again. And every month, I think I'll, I'll watch it. I watch it next month. I will watch it next month. And I've never got round to it. But I remember seeing it when they came out of the cinema and being blown away. Then mm-hmm. um, I have seen it since, but it's something I've been wanting to catch up with. And and like I said, I watched it again recently, and it just and it just um, you know solidified it that this is one of my favourite films, The Two Towers. I mean, there's so much going on, but it never feels slow or he never, he never seems to get any filler moments, even when the two hobbits, hobbits are talking to trees. <laughs> the trees come alive and oh. it starts to get a bit odd. But um, it never feels, to me anyway, it never feels slow or bulky. Um, I love the score by Howard Shaw. Mm. And um, in hindsight, um, Legolas surfs down some stairs. That seems masterful compared to certain moments in the Hobbit trilogy. Yes. Gravity-defying moments. That, so, that um, moment. The the surfing yeah, down the oh. stairs, man, that part has always stood out as one of my favorite like scenes in the Lord of the Rings movies, um, for sure. I, I thought I liked it, but when, again, when I saw that in The Hobbit, when he's jumping off the stones, which are falling through the air, mm-hmm. um, I almost turned the, turned the film off then, but it just made me realize, actually, <laughs> in The Two Towers, it was, it was done a lot better. But um, And it's, it's also where, um, was it Frodo and Sam, their story starts to gain weight, Gollum, you get Gollum and Andy Serkis and the brilliant work he's done in yeah. that. Uh, the Aragorn and Viggo Mortensen, I really like him as an actor. Me too. So Ian McKellen is, is excellent. I love Ian, Sir Ian McKellen. I just think as a, as a movie, the whole all of the parts come together, and it's just a literally if you want, if, to define epic is to me is that film. I like Return of the King, even with its seven or twelve different endings, but I think the Two Towers is the number one for me from that trilogy. You know, and it's number four for me. Yeah, number four for overall, but number one in the trilogy. I I loved the Lord of the Rings films when they came out. I have not been able to rewatch them. I've tried maybe twice with uh, always starting with Fellowship of the Ring, and I just I just know it's like an epic amount of time too. You know, like it's an epic story, but I, the investment of time um, always seems to pull me out of it too fast uh, just the standard edition i mean they're what two and a half two hours 40 minutes by themselves mm-hmm. and that I, I can i know star wars is shorter but i can do the star wars trilogy pretty much any day of the week and i'm in yeah um but lord of the rings i've i and 
my daughter's 13, and my wife uh, originally wanted to name my daughter um, Arwen, you know, from Lord of the Rings. Okay. And, and opted not to, ended up with Taylor as, as our daughter's name. And she still hasn't seen the trilogy, and I... I, I I want her to see it, and yet I I've never felt compelled enough to like force it on her. Where she has seen Star Wars a couple of times, not the prequels, the original, <laughs> and the that's new stuff. That's how you do parenting. Yeah. That's how you do it. <laughs> and um, you know, she loves those, and uh, you know, she she actually saw Last Jedi twice in the theater. I've still only seen it the one time. Um, and she's she's got this thing now, though. It, it makes me worry because she's a Harry Potter fan now. And she's all about she's she took the uh, Pottermore quiz and she's Slytherin, <laughs> and then she's like wearing right now. I'm pretty sure she's wearing First Order earrings, and Ooh. is obsessed with Kylo Ren. So um, <laughs> I'm watching her carefully. <laughs> Just her career, um, her career. yeah. Look at her mom though. Her mom loves Darth villains. Vader. Yeah, my, my wife yeah. calls Darth Vader. Her <laughs> husband, loves so. the bad guys. <laughs> so, yeah. They're, they are, and, you, cool. and, and you've turned that really nice as well somehow. So, yep, yeah, yep. yeah. So you know, who knows? Kylo, nice guy, yeah. Kylo's got one more movie, so you know, maybe he'll, yeah. he'll change. Um, all right, uh, Corey, what is your feeling on Lord of the Rings? Are you a, are you a fan of the uh, the Hobbits? I am. I am. I think I saw all of them in theaters, but kind of like you, I've might maybe I've seen them once or twice since then. It is a big. I don't know. It's a big commitment, and I don't think I own them anymore after moving so many times. But oh. I, yeah, I really enjoyed them. I had, I think I had them on V, maybe on VHS or at least I don't remember for sure if I had them on VHS or not. But I, um, because that was like in the transitional period, so I couldn't remember exactly. But I didn't. I own all of the DVDs that I got on Black Friday like four years ago. They were all like two bucks like the extended edition, so okay. I snagged them all. And then I have all of the Hobbits on Blu-ray. Not because I love them, but because I'm a completionist and felt completionist, the yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had to have them. And, um, yeah, and I, I liked uh, Martin Freeman as Bilbo. But, yeah, the movie's not not so not so much. But, um, yeah. If you're going to rank the Hobbit or the prequel, Star Wars prequels just quickly. Hobbit or the prequels. Is my favorite. <laughs> yeah. Although, I think... I think I hate the Hobbit movies less than I hate m- much of the prequels. Um, <laughs> like, there's no, there's no uh, Hayden Christensen standing out to me from the Hobbit series. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, poor Hayden. Poor Hayden. Oh <laughs> no! That, that, that's one of my. That, that would have probably been my guilty pleasure. Not not Hayden Christensen. I mean, um, <laughs> Attack, <laughs> Attack of the Clones would have been my guilty pleasure. It's an absolutely crap movie, but. Mm-hmm. Um, there's something about it. I don't know if it's Hayden's. I don't know what anything to do with him or his sand. But oh, um, sand. just off topic, Attack of the Clones, that would have been a guilty pleasure of mine. Sorry I, to say, because I know you don't. Listening to the show um, at home here, I know you don't like the prequels. Yeah, you know, I mean, that said, I still, I don't hate them as much as I could. There's definitely Star Wars fans who, like, really ignore them and, and like, when, when uh, Force Awakens was coming out. Are you trying to say some Star Wars fans are irrational? I'm. I might be. I don't know if I want to stir that pot at all. But you know, um, especially, I, and I am a Last Jedi um, huge supporter. I, I cannot fathom what people who are complaining about that movie are seeing. But um, I, I did teach uh, all six of the Star Wars films before Force Awakens comes out. Uh, Force Awakens came out um, to one because I had students who hadn't seen any of them, and I was like, "What? Whoa. Hold on!" And, um, 
and then we used uh, Joseph Campbell's Hero's Journey as our framework for studying the films. Um, and you know, we we actually watched it. I think it's called the oh the the hammer like cut where you watch A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, jump to the prequels, watch the oh, prequels, yeah, yeah. and then watch Return of the Jedi yeah, after you the see Jedi, it. Yeah. yeah, because it it shows Anakin's story and whatever after you find out the big twist of Empire. Um, and it was it was interesting to to show and. Then they uh, they made some lightsaber fights that one turned out really well and the other is not so much. But um, we never had to, we never had this in my education. <laughs> I missed that. I think. Yeah, yeah, I agree completely. Like my coolest class was like a computer class where we made faces with like random key commands. So, <laughs> um, yeah, but oh, you know, man. times How are changing. How could you not have seen Star Wars at that age? I know, right? Like that's I'm like parenting guys. My, you gotta. My... My daughter, she's almost two, but she can say Stormy for Stormtrooper. She knows Darth Vader. Nice. Okay, she only knows the bad, she only knows the bad guys. And well, actually, she knows, she knows, she knows, she knows, she knows BBA, but her favorite thing in the world, probably no surprise, is the pork. Dude, there is a book. I don't know if you've seen this kid's book. It's Chewy <laughs> and the Pork. Oh, yeah. my God. I love – I was so – happy when there was the page with the him sitting at the campfire <laughs> I, I died um yeah. she's not allowed to see that scene because no. it might scar, scar her for life <laughs> i totally understand but man that was one, like yeah. that moment in the movie cracked me up so much especially the pork's face of just like yeah. are, are you going to eat that <laughs> and we all know that as soon as he did as soon as the camera went off he ate it yeah totally <laughs> <laughs> there was two there so he ate, he ate both of them mm-hmm <laughs> But what they don't show is the fact that you obviously have to rip its head off and then skin it alive. <laughs> yeah, they don't show the, <laughs> the preparation. <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, man. Thankfully. Uh, I wish we had sponsors because I feel like we could have one of those food crates right now. Like, yeah. And speaking of preparing food. <laughs> All right. Um, what's your number three all-time movie, Matt? It's a nice slide into that one. Number three, Empire Strikes Back. Mm. Ah, Marvelous movie. Um, thing is, with that, the position seems to flip sometimes. It's always Empire, but sometimes a New Hope tries to tries to push its way in there. Because uh, I mean, it, a New Hope, well, similar to the Force to Force Awakens, a New Hope's kind of a lot more fun. It is kind of like the swashbuckling journey, whereas Empire is um, you know, a bit heavier, a yeah. bit more mature, as they say, a bit darker. But um, it's such a brilliant thing. Then I mean, the fact I mean, the, the, the a New Hope ends with them. Destroying the Death Star, spoiler, and um, and everyone's so excited and the joy and the hope. And this and this Empire opens with them, the rebellion, basically getting their asses handed to them. Yeah. So already it's quite a different start. Um, but it's but um, uh, Lucas passing the reins off, I think, to Irving Kirshner was such a good decision back then. One of the good decisions he did make uh, for taking this, taking taking the Star Wars saga to a different direction. Mm-hmm. Um, other than what it could have been, but I love him, man. He's got Lando, who's always cool. Uh, Billy D. Williams is just, what well, again, one of the epitome of cool. Yeah, meeting Yoda in his and on on, on the on Dagobah, and all of the awesome quotes that he comes up with. Um, another spoiler: the Cloud City fight in Darth Vader, the big that him being Luke's father. I mean, that's that's still to me the coolest twist in any film. Yeah. Um, I wish I'd been alive back then to see it. But that film, I mean, Empire, I mean. It, Similar to the Last Jedi, it's such a sort of different change of tone to the film that came before. But I think it's such a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant movie. It's it's one of those films which you can I can I could probably watch it once, twice a month, and probably still never get bored of it. 
Yeah, I completely agree. Um, I got to go, because of Burke Reviews, I got to go to the Star Wars celebration um, back in, nice. I think it was March or April last year. And um, I, I went to a uh, panel with um, Billy D. Williams and Warwick Davis was hosting uh, the, the conversation. And I have to say, I, I've loved Force Awakens and The Last Jedi, but why no Lando? I don't know. Oh, are they going to bring him in in nine? I don't think they will. And that was the question Warwick asked Billy, and Billy's like, they haven't asked me. And I feel like that's wrong, you know? It's certainly because they, they can't be scared of rehashing the past, because I love the Force Awakens, but yeah. it, 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 we, to put it politely, it's, it, it has some fairly similar beats to mm-hmm. the New Hope, or to the actual OT in general. But No question. And really, Last Jedi, there are elements of Empire and Return of the Jedi in The Last yeah. Jedi. Um, so yeah, it's not a, it's not afraid of it. So let's bring Lando in, and especially they should have had, they should have had Lando on the casino planet. Dude, have him be the code breaker oh, or something. I totally said that when it was happening. I'm like, is it going to be Lando? Is it a surprise? Like, no one knew yeah. Billy D was in this. Is he going to be in this? No, and... it's Justin Thoreau. Nope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And no offense to Justin Thoreau. You know, I like Justin Thoreau, but yeah. he didn't like that. that. Could have been Billy D. At least Lando could have been sitting somewhere in the casino. You know, just chilling out. Like even he may not have had nothing, nothing to do. He could have just been it's there, like, and I would have believed um, that. I mean, it's. I mean, it's obviously Ryan Johnson probably didn't seem to mind what people would think about his film because it's such a drastic change. Mm-hmm. But do you think in the back of his head he probably thought if we put Lando in this, all we're going to hear is, yeah. oh, you know, we're clinging on to do or we're having to rely on the old characters. Yeah, you, you know, what? probably maybe the fan reaction, but or the backlash it may have got. You're you're completely right, and unfortunately, there's he still got backlash. You know, I guess there's no <laughs> you can't please everybody. Um, so I don't know. I hope not Lando ends up in number nine, especially since Carrie is no longer here. Um, you know, let's if if they have a math, if they have a giant showdown at the end, I think he's got to be in it somewhere. Even if, but then even then, it probably people will still say oh, it's similar to the end of Jedi, where he's you know pilot in a ship. Yeah, comes in and I'd, ha- I'd have him in it. Yeah, I'd have him in. I don't see why not because. Otherwise, I mean, if, if if you read the books or the comics, whatever, I mean, they, they go into kind of what he's been up to, but it's, you know, he's just kind of gone and yeah. it would be nice for something. But he, he may, uh, there was, there are, there was talk he may even be in the Han Solo film narrating the, the introduction, but oh, whether that's true or not, but I don't think, I think that may just be um, wishful thinking, but yeah. Uh, well, Empire is in my top five as well, actually. Um, it's one of my favorite films ever. And, Han Solo, one of my favorite characters ever. So, yeah. um, and Yoda. I'm sorry, I'm a huge Yoda fan. Although, I think I love the Yoda in Last Jedi more than any of the other iterations of Yoda. Um, but uh, Yoda in Empire has some amazing moments. And if you've not seen uh, Bad Lip Reading on YouTube, they have. Um, yeah, I have seen it. Okay, yeah. yeah, I love the yeah. single song so much. <laughs> yeah. I'm not gonna sing it. So. <laughs> yeah. And Corey, you're you're also a big fan of Empire, aren't you? Yes, um, I like the ending to A New Hope because I'm a sap, but <laughs> um, I I really do. And my parents, well, my dad did raise me right. Chewie was my favorite when I was a kid, but I love R2 now. Yeah. And yeah. I do like BB-8. I didn't want to. Well, And I, I kind of had that vibe, too. Like, I went in, like, you're not going to replace R2. Yeah, we don't need any new droids. But I, I love BB-8. We don't need you, but I do, too. Yeah, I'm I'm a big R2, uh, and I I actually have the pop vinyl for C3PO R2 and uh, BB8 and BB9 actually, um, 
not that he did anything, but I have it. And, um, he rolled in and turned, he rolled in and kind of angled his head somewhat. Yeah, that was he, about it. He looked menacing at a moment. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, Empire uh, definitely deserves that spot. And I, I've argued though, um, Last Jedi is, is is a few viewings away, I think, from being able to live up to the the excellence that is Empire Strikes Back. Like it is, yeah. it's right there. Uh, definitely a, a great second in a trilogy um, like Empire. As you noted with Lord of the Rings, it kind of sets the bar. Like Empire is the epitome of what a great second part of oh, a trilogy yeah. is supposed to be. Um, so every every other one will always get compared to it. So I think the last Jedi. I think what what do we know? Maybe give five, ten years, or well, if if they if they ever take a break from making these films, mm, maybe yeah. then when people sort of lust for it, maybe these people who who don't like it for whatever reason maybe take a favorable shine to it because it's a brilliant film, The Last Jedi. Agreed, exactly. All of the Disney, or sorry, the Disney slash Lucas films movies have been great. I thought Rogue One was mm, that, that's on a par with the best one for me. Yeah, I need to rewatch Rogue One. Um, I went in. Uh, I I definitely liked it. Like I didn't see anything wrong with it, but I didn't connect to it. And a part of it is I am not. It's such a it's a true to a war film, and I'm not a big war film fan. I don't dislike them, but I haven't seen a lot of them. So I didn't like yeah. click with a lot of the the themes and stuff that were going on. I, I mean, I liked a lot of the characters. Um, I love K2SO because Alan Tudyk is awesome. He's cool. <laughs> but yeah, um, again, I guess I just like droids in the Star Wars universe. Apparently, <laughs> um, well, we could we could do a whole podcast on Star Wars. Let's see what your number two is. Man, I'll be there all day for that. Yeah. Uh, number two is number two is an old one. Uh, Strangers on a Train. Oh, oh Alfred yes. Hitchcock. Um. That was one I saw what do we know, about mm, 16, 17 years ago in, in film studies. Um, we, were, we came in at early one on a Thursday morning. We sat down in the sort of the college um, cinema we had. Um, and the teacher said, oh, we're watching a film from the 50s. And I, think, I remember everyone just sort of thinking, oh, oh great. Mm-hmm. So we're all sort of 50, 16 years old thinking this is not what I want to do. But, oh, I, I don't know if you've seen it or not. but it, I have. Oh, then uh, whether uh, it's uh, to me, it's a masterpiece. It, um, Hitchcock returned to form with that with this film, but it's just a it's th- a thrilling, you know, suspense, deceit. It's an intelligent movie. Um, the acting is fantastic. Mm-hmm. It never gets boring, and it's always, always to me, it's such a compelling movie um, that it makes for me number two. Yeah, I I have uh, in my 366 i became like abundantly aware because i had that attitude that you expressed there anytime a movie was too old and you know basically anything that was older than me i was just like whatever new movies are where it's at and that year i really i set out i was going to watch all the hitchcock films that i could and i I bought a box set that had the big six you know north by northwest psycho birds um rear window vertigo and then i bought um a couple of other things, and I, I watched Rope and Strangers on a Train, and um, I just recently we just did uh, Rebecca. Uh, Corey got Rebecca yeah. for me for um, the for Christmas on the Criterion Collection they just released, and um, it's so appropriate because Phantom Thread pulls a lot from Rebecca. And, I still haven't seen that. It hasn't oh. come out. It's only it's only just come out here. Oh man, so, um, that's one I'm going to check out in the next week. Good. I won't spoil anything, but um, but yeah, Strangers on a Train. Uh, the the carousel sequence. 
at the oh. end uh, is so fantastic, and I can't even imagine how they made it um, in 1951. You know, like it just doesn't seem possible, and it's so great. And even like the opening sequence when we follow their feet to the train and how it's shot. Yeah, yeah, it's so so it's, great. It's all about there's there's so much sort of well, it's um, it's I guess we call it twinning going on. It's one 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 pair of shoes and then another pair of shoes. It kind of it's two people doing the same thing. And it's kind of crisscrossing in nature. Uh, there's so much of that going on. Mm-hmm. Um, Hitchcock, I mean, Hitchcock's a master at creating, you know, stunning visual shots and um, sort of subtle things going on in the background. Um, and there's so much depth to this film, which you know, doesn't wouldn't necessarily seem it when, when you watch it, but there's so much going on. And um, Robert Walker, the guy who plays uh, Bruno, the the antagonist. I think he died quite soon after the film, but oh. he, to, to me, he's one of the best movie villains there yeah. has been. Yeah, he's so compelling in that movie too because it's the way it just works, how he works into this where he's like committed to this contract that was never really made. It's like you're just like, what are you doing? Stop doing this. <laughs> yeah, um, it just turns up. <laughs> yeah, it's oh, – man, it's such a good film. Um, it's actually one of the few Hitchcock films I haven't shown any of my students – in its entirety, I've shown uh, both the the sequence that I just referenced, the carousel sequence, and yeah. them walking uh, to the, the to where they first meet. Um, just because it's cinematically gold, like there's so many yes. uh, amazing visual elements to the, those sequences. And obviously, Hitchcock is a master. And that's every time I like try to review a Hitchcock film, I always feel a little silly. Just like, hey, have you guys heard of Have you heard of this? <laughs> 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 But um, but yeah, I love I love seeing it pop up on top five lists because he is he uh, he is the best. I mean, it's you know almost ridiculous to uh, to try to argue otherwise. Um, Corey, I don't know if you've seen this Hitchcock film, have you? I haven't. I have not. Oh, check it out! Check yeah, it out. I bought. I'm it. seeing it has a four out of four from Roger e- Roger Ebert, and I don't feel like he really does that often. No, so. um, got Roger and- Ebert and me. So. TCM, I bought a four pack and it was, it's that. And I think, um, I'm trying to remember what was in it. it. It's, it's a noir four pack. I believe that I bought it. It was strangers on a train. I think, uh, the Maltese Falcon oh. and two, it's, it's four like amazing films for like 10 bucks that I found on Amazon. So that's probably that's the best steal. way to grab it. Um, that's a there's one scene in this film which is probably one of my top five scenes. I don't know if you remember the tennis scene where where um, where Guy, the sort of the hapless protagonist, he's playing tennis and uh, Bruno's just in the crowd, and ev- and everybody around him they're kind of their heads going back and forward following the flow of the game, and Bruno's just sitting right in the middle, looking dead straight, dead centre at Guy, unflinching, yep. and it's such a menacing shot. That's one of my one of the things I remember about that film when I. It's one of my top uh, scenes. Yeah, that yeah, oh, man, the things that he thinks of to show um, is so great. Oh, Dial in for Murder was another one that I watched uh, during that stint. Um, yeah, I every time I watch a Hitchcock film, I'm so blown away because like Rebecca started off where I'm like, I don't know if I'm going to like this, and by the end, I was like, Oh my god, this movie's <laughs> crazy. Because <laughs> um, uh, he just he he knows how to take you on a ride. You know, like by the end, you're gonna feel like you've been around the world in some capacity and it's it's just great all right that leads us to the number one film of matt's drum roll number one film is another fairly old one but i'm pretty sure you've heard of it the exorcist ah yes in fact i have in fact comically <laughs> enough 
Um, I watched Saved last night, and there's a sequence where they <laughs> attempt to perform an exorcism, and the exorcist score pops on the screen for a few minutes, and I was, like, dying. I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> so... <laughs> Just what you want to hear a night that that, yeah. that, that that music coming out, yeah. So they are. <clears throat> Sorry, carry on. Oh no, I was going to ask you to, to uh, elaborate. What what makes it number one for you? Uh, well, I, I love I love William Friedkin's films anyway, but this film, uh, the, 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 the direction, the execution, the cinematography, the depth, the acting, the effects, the writing, the atmosphere. Literally, probably just giving you a list of everything there. But everything about the film, again, it. I, I, uh, on first viewing, it can be a superficial kind of great horror film where um, somebody spews green vomit and you know somebody masturbates with a crucifix, yeah. uh, and it's all a bit it's all a bit mad. But I mean, the opening ten minutes of the film is pretty much dead silent. Nobody speaks, over, oh, and it's it's set in Iraq. And other than some subtitled chat, this is kind of an eerie opening ten minutes where you, with two shorts going on, <clears throat> and obviously it transitions into Georgetown and into the main story but the way that the pacing is done is is fantastic i mean it would have been so easy to turn the film into like a you know devil chasing schlock with awful dialogue and strange story devices but um they left that for the exorcist too <laughs> um <laughs> but they the way, the way they treated the story to so much respect it's it's the way it's paced the way they took the uh, friedkin and blatty took so much time to go into the characters uh, even the little girl jason miller as uh, father carries is superb I mean, his, his haunted eyes say everything, and his performance holds that movie up. There's themes of light and dark, good and evil, faith versus pragmatism, um, and some of it's all presented in the background or in sort of imagery peppered throughout the film. But at the heart of it is just human stories. There's um, the ang- anguished mother, the priest who's lost faith, um, a policeman, the, the grounded policeman, and, of course, the 12-year-old girl who's possessed by the demon. Um and the way they kind of build on those characters before, before then unleashing, well, literally, literally hell in the last 15 minutes is story is storytelling uh, done hundred hundred masterpiece for me. It's so well done. I mean, the first time I watched it, I think it was about 14. So I think relatively I was late to the party uh, and it just blew me away because I mean, there was an aura about it. You know, it's apparently it's the scariest movie ever. People mm. were passing out. Um, and on the first time I saw it, I was terrified, um, and it because it all just felt so real, it just felt real, um, which yeah. I think was what Free Kim was aiming for. Yeah. But even then, I was struck how much of a sort of a bigger movie this was. It was more than just the horror film. Something sort of gripped me to it, and ever since then, I've I've, I've watched it. I don't know how many times on DVD or Blu-ray, uh, and every time it's on TV, just breaking down every scene. And there's so much to to take out of the film. Um, I don't know if you read the book, but the book is fantastic as well. But mm. the, the way the film is, oh, I, I could I could I could go on all day about it. I think it, it it didn't. I think the sting. I think the sting. I think pipped it to the best picture at the Oscars, um, which as much as a good film that was that yeah. year. I mean, The Exorcist deserves to me deserves all the acclaim. Yeah, and um, and breathe. I <laughs> I. Uh... I I saw this when I was way too young. I don't remember exactly how old I was. I know I was younger than nine, and I remember being so terrified of my bed shaking um, <laughs> oh. from like that, and I've never gone back to it, not because it wasn't a great film. I was just so freaked out by the movie, 
Um, and I don't know. I, my mom kept me from horror movies for most of my early childhood, so I don't know what allowed her to think it was okay for me to see that particular <laughs> one. Um, and I, I, man, you've you've made me want to dive back into it. I've kind of been still afraid of it, even though like I don't, I don't necessarily subscribe to all of the things that the movie des- you know describes happening. And um, generally, horror movies don't oh, scare yeah. me anymore. Norm, I mean, I'm not like some big guy who can't be scared. Like I can totally get scared, but I usually I'm over it after the movie. You know, like I'm scared in the moment and then I'm fine. Um, usually nowadays, it's all we've kind of seen it all before nowadays as well. Yeah, and so I, I but I've still it's never escaped my memory. And again, I I've seen some of the scenes. The scenes are so iconic that I've seen them outside of the whole film. You know, pulled out <laughs> for clips or whatever. But um. Yeah, your your passion has made me want to to dive back into it, so I'm gonna have oh, to man. seek this out. Um, I, even that, I still watch it now, and I I, I, I probably I don't know hundreds of times, literally. But I still I still get terrified. We're just watching it because there's something about the way it's built up. Um, the spirit is it's. I don't know, I'm not a huge fan of the phrase, but it is literally a slow burn. Mm. You know something's coming. It, it's like somebody's somebody's put a match to the end of the dynamite, and it's very slowly getting there. Oh, you know something's coming. They take their time building to it, and when they do, when they get to it, for me, the payoff is is fantastic. And it's, oh man, it's the way it's shot, the way it looks. The, oh, I can't. I can go on for. I can go on all day about this. And Corey, you are are a kind of horror fan on this podcast. Um, what's your take on The Exorcist? I watched this when I was too young. I think uh-huh. I was twelve when I saw it, and my mother told me it was the scariest movie ever made, and I fell asleep. Oh. <laughs> so, um, but we've kind of talked about this before. I watched very, I watched movies I shouldn't have at very young ages, you know. So I feel like I just wasn't affected. But I do want to rewatch it, and I have read how some of the scenes have been made, like when she's like in the bed, and I, I love how they made that scene. Um, although I, I read that it hurt like heck, but um. So I know I need to go back, and I do like movies that have a lot of atmosphere and that are kind of a slower pace, especially mm-hmm. horror movies. So I I feel like we should add this to Movie Club in oh. the middle of a romantic comedy. Yes, <laughs> because I don't know if I can take any more. I'm kidding. Come on, you one we're one <laughs> movie one. into it. <laughs> she did not like Moonstruck, which I I actually really enjoyed. So. Um, no. But so to counteract, let's watch The Exorcist. Yeah, yeah. We'll just <laughs> jump right into. I like your thinking. It's a rom This is October. Yeah. <laughs> what is it? Halloween in February. Uh, yeah. Well, we eight we, months is fine. We usually do horror movies in October, so uh, I didn't realize we should have done this one this past October because we we both uh, had not oh. seen Suspiria. And we dove into that, and unfortunately, uh, we were we are of the minority of that movie. We did not love it, and we're not moved by any of it. And I don't know. I think Corey and I might be too big of narrative fans, and that's maybe what didn't click for us. But um, yeah, well, Corey is generally a big horror fan. I am. I'm not opposed to horror. I just don't think I always get what horror is going for. Um, I think <laughs> like. But Exorcist seems like one that it's it's doing exactly what I expect a horror movie to do, and so um, I'm on the same level. I like I like horror films, but so many like I say so many nowadays are kind of just by numbers. You know what's going. You can see what's going to happen from a yeah. mile off. They're not scary. They they you know there's too much too many too much CGI or whatever, and it just takes you out of the film. Yeah. Um, 
So I, I agree with this film. From it's you know for me like it, it's about story first. Yes, mm-hmm. like I say you've got masturbating miners and green puke and you've got heads turning and all that, but they're kind of just almost add-ons to yeah. the human story. It's just a but the great coming. You haven't got you haven't got any heroic priests coming up with a grand plan together to defeat the devil from a confession box. It's done in such a human way. It's, I, I mean, you can class it as a horror film. It could be classed as I mean. Like a drama, almost, almost like a drama. Yeah, yeah. Like a, a dark drama, I guess. But um, I couldn't. Obviously, I can't recommend it enough. It's yeah. To me, it's it has been and always will be the best film of all time for me. I, I can't. I I think about it quite often because I'm sad. I'm trying to think what film, what what could come along which could top this for me, and I don't know what could. Now. If I recall, there's some controversy about uh, different cuts of this movie. Like, there's a, some deleted scenes. Um, do you have a, any take on that? Like, do you like the original edit, or do you do you like to watch all of the p- potential? Uh, like, isn't there's a scene where she like climbs down the stairs or something? Like spider walk scene. Yeah. Ooh. I um, I I subscribe to the idea that the one that's on the one you see at this theater cinema that's the that's the one you should see because that's the director's vision. But I'm also a sucker for extended versions or okay. or the director's cut, and yeah. I think the the director's cut of The Exorcist for me is which includes that scene um, and a couple of other sort of expo- exposition scenes and narrative scenes. That's yeah, that's better for me. I like that scene. Um, it, 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 if it wasn't in there, then fine, I could have done without it. But when it, it uh, at the moment it happens in the film, uh, the main character just, just received some bad news, um, so you kind of get like a double. Double scare type thing, double double hit. Mm. Um, so I, 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 prefer, I prefer the director's cut because you have the original cut, which you know, yeah, they cut a few bits out to try and make it less scary or less um, terrifying. But um, yeah, the one, the, the version you've never seen before, I think it's called the ah. director's cut. That's that's the one for oh. me. Okay, uh, so that's the one I will look to go with. Um, that is an interesting kind of take too, because you do have those options. It's like which Blade Runner do you watch? You know. Um, and everyone seems to have a different opinion of which is the best one. Uh, I, I, I rewatched that again. I thought, I don't know which one am I going to watch? And I was told by everybody, you've got to watch the final cut. I think it was the final cut. Yeah. Um, I, I actually like the, the ones with the voiceover, um, because there are parts when I saw the first, I think I saw final cut first. And I think that's the one that's missing the voiceover from, uh, Harrison Ford and, I didn't. Yes, is, yeah. I didn't get a lot of the story because so much of the story is given through his narration that I was like, "Oh, that's why that thing is there. Oh, that's <laughs> that." So, um, I, but is that? But then is that is that good storytelling? Because he because there's a narration kind of tells you what's going on, or valid point. Then they come get into that argument as well. But did you like Blade Runner? Can I just ask? Oh yeah, I, I am a fan Are of the fan first of? one. But I am a huge fan of 2049. I love okay. 2049 okay. a lot. Um, but I do. I, I, I do thought like I was a heretic for not. But I, I like Blade Runner, but I, don't, I never saw it as a. I don't see it as a you know masterpiece. But I really no. enjoy Twenty Forty Nine. And I was thinking, am I the only one who watched Blade Runner and thought it's okay, it's a good film, nope. but nothing more than that. Apart I, from the end, apart from uh, what's um, apart from Rutger Hauer's yeah. monologue in the rain. Oh, I love that monologue, and I think visual the visuals of the film are fantastic. Um, oh yeah. But yeah, no, agreed. Um, it, 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 I was a little let down because I went in. I came in very, very late to Blade Runner, but still, I came into a, a good six, maybe ten years ago that I, I, I like jumped in and like watched. I sought out and bought all of the versions of Blade Runner because, again, completionist. Just to make sure. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, 
and then I didn't know they were going to do 2049. Nobody did at the time that that was going to happen. But um, I, I loved Arrival so much last year that I am oh, on board so with Denis uh, for basically anything he does. Um, very interested in his Dune remake that he's working on. Um, interested that I'm going to be. I'm going to, I'm going to be the heretic now. I wasn't overly keen on Arrival. Ah. Well, I'm still. You haven't, you haven't cut me off. I'm still here. No, yeah, um, you're still there. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah I wasn't. I thought it was okay, but um, that was one of the films where I'd heard so much hype about it being ah. the best film of the year. I just thought it's okay. It's, it's good. I liked Amy Adams in it, um, but I just thought it, you know it just didn't hit me like it did other people, and I've also felt the same with The Shape of Water this year. See, I I can totally vouch with um, the first viewing of Shape of Water for me. I didn't connect with the characters really at all. So I had like no emotional investment. Like I could see it's a gorgeous film. It's it's the production's amazing, but yeah, you can't deny that. Yeah, yeah. But I walked away not loving it, and then I went and rewatched it this week actually, and um, something clicked with the characters that I had. I, I can't say without spoiling it, but it I connected this time, and I, I actually walked out very much happier with the movie than I was my first viewing. So I can get that. Um, Arrival did click with me. I I teared up several times in that movie and. Uh, I haven't rewatched it, but it's one I, I really want to get my wife to watch, and I think she knows that it's going to make her cry like really, really hard, and is avoiding <laughs> uh, it. Um, but I, I, I bought it instantly. Um, I just I thought it was so gorgeous, and yeah, uh, Amy Adams and Jeremy Renner in that movie I thought were both excellent. So, yeah. but yeah, not to debate the if, whether or not Arrival's good. That is <laughs> uh, Matt's top five movies, and. Matt, um, how can people uh, read your reviews and uh, follow you on Twitter and whatnot? You can find me at whatiwatchtonight.co.uk, on Twitter at WIWT underscore UK, and we're also on Instagram at whatiwatchtonight. And uh, you can follow me on the social medias at Burke Reviews and Corey. At Corey R Star, two R's on the end. And... Um, Matt, we want to thank you for uh, setting up this this call with us. I know it was a lot to work through, but I feel like it was well worth it. Yeah, no, no, thank you very much for the opportunity. It's been great. Anytime, guys. All right. Well, Matt, we'll definitely have you back on the show uh, maybe in the future for like a regular episode. Um, you can because we build our top fives on you know various categories. In fact, our next episode uh, that we'll be recording next week, we're going to be looking at our favorite Marvel films, not exclusive to Marvel Studios. Marvel characters in films, so any of those films that will count, Mike, Corey, and I will be building our list and uh, debating because Black Panther is almost here. Yes. Um, so super excited about getting to see that movie. I'll, I'll be tuning in. All right. Well, great, Matt. Thank you very much Thanks. again. Um, ha- have a great rest of your evening. You too. Thank you, guys. Thank, Thank you. you. Uh, Corey, I'll talk to you later. And Matt, have yes. a good night. You too, Bye, guys. guys. Thank you. Thank right. you. Peace. Bye.